So I want to talk to you about spiritual timing, and I believe it's, it's important for us to have God's timing. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, this is not on the screen, but just a little side note. It says this, that my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How many of you would say, I believe that? I mean, just, I really want you to raise your hands on this one. If you believe it, if you don't believe it, that's fine. Leave your hands down. How many of you actually believe that word? That God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, right? You believe that? Then why do we have such a hard time trusting him? Why is it so hard to trust? If we believe that God, who we're now in a rich relationship with, his thoughts and his ways are higher than ours, why do we have such a hard time trusting him when we believe that? So I hope we discover that this morning as we dive into this message. Timing is defined as the choice, judgment, or control of when something should be done. A particular point or period of time when something happens. God's timing is the time in which God has appointed something to happen. That comes from Jamie's dictionary. From, from my own experience, God's timing is whenever God wants it to happen. Right? It's not when you convince God to make it happen. It's when God wants it to happen. And we need to be okay with that. Oh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching now. But that's God's timing. <laughs> so, so let's look at something this morning. Let's look at, at, at some mistakes that, that the, the nation of Israel, God's people, okay, God's people made some mistakes in the Old Testament, uh, and, and they still make them today, by the way, in the New Testament. But it's, it's just really good to watch it in the Old Testament. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 8. I want to show you something about God's people, and I, and I think we can all find ourselves there somewhere today. 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Let me kind of set this up. Up until this point, Samuel had been kind of ruling over the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is God's chosen people. It's the ones that he pulled out of Egypt. It's the ones he, he rescued from Egypt. It's the same people that he parted the sea and let them walk across and then swallowed up their enemy behind them. It's the same people that complained when they were in the desert and they ended up spending 40 years in the desert. It's those same people that, that, that we now see. And, and Samuel, who's a prophet, is now kind of running the nation. It's kind of an unofficial title of running the nation. He's not called a king. He's not a president. He's not a governor. He's not anything like that. He's a prophet. And and the Bible says that he's, he's judging the people. And so right now, God put, at this moment in time, God has put Samuel in charge of the nation of Israel. And, and so Samuel's running the thing. He's a prophet and he would travel to each of the different tribes and he would judge any of the cases they had. And so he kind of brought law and order to the nation of Israel to this point. Now, the Bible says that up up until this point that we're getting ready to start reading, the the nation of Israel was actually in a time of peace with most of their enemies. And any time an enemy rose up against them, God would almost like come in front of the nation and wipe out their enemy for them. So in other words, they really had it going good. I mean, when God comes in front of you and he wipes out your enemy and you don't even have to lift your hand, come on, that's a good day. 
I mean, some of you are praying for that tomorrow when you get to see your boss and you're like, Lord, would you go and wipe out the enemy? And then, and your boss is quiet all day and you go, Lord, you won my battle. First Samuel chapter eight, verse one, watch this. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in, in Beersheba. But they were not like their father. They were greedy for money, and and they accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old, and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like the other nations have. Now, pay attention to this. They're saying this. They're saying, look, you're getting old. Number one, that was offensive. You're getting old. How would you like if I got up this morning and looked at all of you and said, man, y'all look old today. You'd be like, man, I'm going to other church where they tell me I look good, <laughs> right? You're getting old and your sons are ruthless. <laughs> Watch this. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. You got to see yourself right there. I'm telling you, there's, there's something right there that's in every one of us. That thing that says, I want what other people have. It may not be what God wants me to have, but I want what other people have. I want to have as much fun as they're having. I want to do what they're doing. Man, that looks like a great time. I want to go there and do that. Forget if it's good for me. Forget if it's God's will. Forget if it's anything positive. I just want what they have. You see the attitude that the the nation of Israel has in this moment? So Samuel, verse 6 Samuel was displeased with their request. <laughs> really? He just got called old. His sons were called no good. <laughs> and the whole nation he's been leading is wanting to do what the, rest, what the rest of the nations are doing. Watch this. This is important. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Side note. Anytime you get offended, before you act out any emotions, you need to go to the Lord. You see, Samuel was mature in his relationship with God. And when a whole nation offended him, he didn't just strike back. He didn't just say what came to his thoughts. You know, because some of you were born without a stop sign. Whatever you think, you speak. You know who you are. Sometimes I appreciate you, but most of the time I don't. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Am I? No. But Samuel goes to the Lord. Watch this. Do everything they said to you, the Lord replied. For it is me they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt and have continually abandoned, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they're giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. So get this. The nation is coming to Samuel, the one who's been running the show, God's anointed one, the one that God has has worked through, the one that God has spoken through. They've enjoyed peace in the land. Their enemies are getting wiped out for them. Everything's rice and gravy. I mean, it's just good times. And they're going, this ain't good enough. We want a king. I want like this official thing. You know, I want like a king. You know, like, like, like Pakistan has a king. I want a king. Well, doesn't that sound like us? 
God's sitting here and he's putting butter on your bread. He's blessing you to the left and the right. Everything you touch is turning to gold. And if you're not careful, your heart will get into a spot where you go, you know what? I want more. I want more. This ain't good enough. This, This ain't fun no more. You see, the, the nation of Israel was about to get themselves in trouble and they were they were rejecting God, not Samuel. And it's important to note that that when you go and you start to lead people, when they come and they start to bring back rejection, don't take it personal. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. You see, as a pastor of a church, when people leave the church, I feel rejected. I do. When people get mad and they start murmuring and complaining like most of you do, you know what I'm talking about? And you start talking about every, just you talk to everybody else about your problem you got with your pastor, but you don't come talk to the pastor. Preaching this morning. I feel rejected. And every time I go to the Lord with that, he goes, son, don't worry about that. They're rejecting me. They're not rejecting you. I said, well, good. Then you hit them. <laughs> It won't hurt my hand. And I won't have to say I'm sorry. <laughs> Two reasons they, they wanted a king was one, they didn't like Samuel's sons, but the second one is they wanted to be like the other nations. You see, they weren't content being the greatest nation on the planet. They wanted what other people have. You know, too many times we substitute what the world has for what God's given us. And we look at what the world has and goes, man, I just want some of that. And God's going, you want that? Are you serious? You want that? But Lord, it's shiny and it's got four new tires and it's, it's beautiful. You want that? Instead of peace? You want that? In other words, you want to be in bondage to... For five years with no interest to that? <laughs> Get you some of that. Dave Ramsey, be proud. (laughs) But the crazy thing is, is is we want to be, we can be just like that. We we want the latest and the greatest version, right? The iPhone 4 is no longer good enough. Got to get the 7 when it first comes out, right? You got to go wait in line at some store for a stupid phone. Got to get the latest version, the latest fashions. You can't wear old stuff no more. Listen, I spent 40-something years trying to keep up with fashion. I ain't never caught up. In fact, I've lagged behind so far, some of this stuff's starting to work again. Right? I mean, I'm like, hey, I'm just going to keep wearing what I'm wearing. I'm going to let the world just kind of go around me. Fashion just keeps coming and going. I'm like, timeless, baby. <laughs> we want the latest and the greatest, and we'll, we'll give up everything for it. It's important that we we see ourselves in this story because these people were rejecting God. And I want you to hear something. In verse 8, he says, Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they're giving you the same treatment. Now watch this. This is just a little bit of a side note that I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share on this morning. We haven't changed a whole lot. Think about this is thousands of years ago. We haven't changed a whole lot. When I read this story, I I go, man, Lord, that's me. Lord, that's people I know. That's that's people in my church. Man, God, 
have we not changed at all? I mean, we will, we will walk away from God to serve a substitute God. Isn't it true? Listen, I'm not beating you up. I'm just trying to expose the lies of the enemy. I mean, he's lied to us. The world has lied to us. Let me share with you a few modern day gods because when I got this, I was like, Lord, what are, what are the gods of today? Though their gods back in those days were these little statues that they would lift up on poles and, and weird things like that. And we would never do something like that. Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, make sure you didn't have statues in your yard. I'm like, <laughs> hey, maybe I need to change my message. <laughs> And I was like, God, what are modern day gods that we serve? Let me share a few of them with you. The first one is work. Many of us look to our work, our job, as our significance and our our security. For some reason, we get it confused that God who created everything that we're working on, who can supply all of our needs is all of a sudden going to bow down to our job and our boss and only supply us with what we need through that job. It's like we've taken God and put him here and put work right here. And we go, I got to be, but, but pastor, you don't understand. I got to make some money and I, I got to do this. And I got I got all these bills. You know, I got this God, this shiny God I parked under the carport and it's got payments. I got to pay the gods. I got to pay the gods. So what we do is we take God Almighty and we submit him under our gods. And then what happens? We get all discombobulated. We get everything out of whack and God's going, why are you rejecting me? I could have built a car for you in your carport while you were sleeping. And when you woke up, it had been like, bling, with no payments. That's the prettiest ones. Right? But we give all of our time, we give all of our effort, our energy to work. But I got to, Pastor, I got to have this job. I got to do this. I got to do that. Listen to me. I know you need to work. The Bible actually says you need to work. Because if you don't work, you don't eat. And that's real. But listen to me. Maybe we don't need to work that much. I mean, how much is enough? Preaching to myself this morning. I, I like to work. I like to sweat. I like to get out and do something hard and just, you know, accomplish. It feels good to me. It's more therapeutic these days than financial, but work is one of our gods. The second one is success. These two kind of go hand in hand. We want to be successful. And I want you to understand something. God wants you to be successful too. But he wants you to be successful his way. Not your way, because remember the verse you all said you believe in, that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You see, we get it confused and we start going, well, I need to have some success. So I'm going to have to do this and that to get my success instead of doing what God says to get success, which is real success. Am I, am I, am I in the right church this morning? So success is one of our gods. Joshua 1.8 is one of the greatest verses to memorize about success. It tells you precisely how to be successful and prosperous. Let's go there real quick. Joshua 1.8, just because I'm not too far from there and I can get there quickly. Joshua 1.8, watch this. I memorized this verse years ago. If I can get to the right one. 
Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Watch this. This is super simple. Super simple. If you take this home today, I'm telling you, I feel like I've done something. Joshua, God told Joshua in the book, he said, he said, if you'll just pay attention to this, stop looking at the shiny things out the window. Look to my word, look to my instructions, do what they say, and baby, you're going to prosper and you're going to succeed. And that deserved a better amen. It does not say go out and get another job. It doesn't go out and say go out and, and force yourself to be successful. Don't go out and cheat. Don't go out and steal. Don't go out and compromise the time that you're supposed to be giving me to go try and make yourself successful. The third God we serve is our phones. <laughs> oh, pastor, come on, man. Say hello to my little friend. Can I be honest with you? This thing calls my name. Not only through the ringtone. I want to know what's going on in the world. You know why? Because I'm nosy. <laughs> I'm nosy just like the rest of you. <laughs> I want to keep up with what's going on on Facebook and if I don't pay attention, I'll spend a whole hour doing this. Watch, watch my thumb. And there's nothing on there. The whole time people are dying and going to hell. And I'm twiddling my thumbs. The God of the phone. Now, listen to me. The phone is a tool. It's a great tool. Facebook is a tool. They make great tools. They make horrible gods because this ain't going to be there for me when I need it. Somebody's not going to mysteriously post something that's going to give me all the fulfillment in life that I'm ever going to need. It ain't going to happen. Amen. It's a great tool, a horrible God. Am I preaching okay? The fourth God we serve is our image. <laughs> it's the God of our image. We want everybody to think that we got it all together. We want everybody. It's, it's an old school mentality. Before Facebook and Instagram, we used to have to like play it out in real life. You, 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 literally, we would wash our cars and like get them all and then get all dressed up. And then like take, take our 220s and turn them into ones. And make our wallet fat so that when we went to the burger joint and we because we was rolling through town, you know, with a shiny truck and a shiny person and a, a thick wallet full of ones. And I mean, we had it together, right? We was putting off this image. We had an image to portray that everything was good and we was all that in a bag of chips. But we didn't want anybody to see when we got home. Our image, man, we spent a lot of time on our image. Let me tell you something about Facebook, by the way. That's just a highlight reel. When's the last time you see somebody took a picture of themselves half naked and say, look, I just, lost, I just gained so much weight. I mean, look at me. I am gross. Don't do that. Another God is materialism. 
Stepped on a few toes with that one. We just like stuff, don't we? You know, we throw away more stuff these days than we've ever thrown away in the history of the planet. We, we, you know, the trash business is a billion-dollar business. I got a friend, he's making a killing in the trash business. Back in my day, you got looked down upon for being a trash man. Today, them brothers are making money. Why are they making money? Because we buying so much junk and then getting tired of it because it didn't fulfill us and it didn't do what the TV commercial said it was going to do and we're left empty-handed still and we trash it because we're mad at it now because we thought it was a good God, but it's not. We thought it was going to fulfill my life, but it didn't. Sex is another God. Billions of dollars spent on sex in the sex industry. Billions. Everywhere you go, I mean, you can't even watch them. We got, we got antenna. We're down to antenna. Somebody? Down to antenna. We got this, this channel called MeTV. It plays all the old classic shows, right? Like, like uh, uh, Bonanza and, and uh, MASH and like, you know, Mama's Family and, you know, stuff I grew up on. And, and that's all great, but, but the commercials, I'm like, it's me TV, man. And you selling sex on me TV. Come on. Nickelodeon. It's everywhere. It's billions of dollars. It's a God. Here's the last one. Money. It's an age old God. Money is a God. Man, we got to have it. You know what? It's not like God doesn't want us to enjoy some of these things. Right? He just doesn't want to submit to them. Because you see, here's the truth. God Almighty hates those gods. He hates them. The Bible says he's a jealous God. One of the Ten Commandments is serve no other gods but me. (laughs) You shall have no other gods but me. Right? So, dang, Pastor, you're getting all religious on me. No, I ain't getting religious. I'm just giving you the truth. Just because you got a phone doesn't mean you're going to hell. Just because you're on Facebook doesn't mean you're the devil. I'm just trying to help you. You still love me? Oh, good. You know what's crazy is I wonder if our greatest reward ever, like the greatest reward, is not just sitting there waiting for us in heaven. Because the Bible says that when we do good things on this earth, in fact, it says it says to store up your treasure in heaven. Watch what Matthew chapter 6 says in verse 19. I'm going to read it to you from the, the, the message translation. It says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moss and corroded by rust or worse stolen by burglars stockpile stockpile treasure in heaven where it is safe from moss and rust and burglars it's obvious isn't it this is the scripture saying it's obvious isn't it there's no burglars in heaven 
There's no moths in heaven. Hallelujah. There's no rust in heaven. Isn't that a good thing? So if I stockpile my treasures in heaven, then they will be ready for me when I get there, which means I need to stop focusing on these little gods while I'm here on the planet and start focusing on the gods that I can send ahead of me into heaven, into eternity. And when I get there, I got something that I get to spend eternity with. Right. That's what Israel was doing. Israel was going, you know, what? I ain't worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about when I die. I'm not worried about the end of my life. I'm not worried about what I'm going to leave my kids behind. I'm not worried about that. I want what I want right now. I want it now. And that's what got him in trouble. Watch verse eight of first Samuel. So God says, OK, let them have what they want. You know, God's funny. He does that to us, right? I mean, you start whining about this and that. You go, okay, that's what you want. Go ahead and get it. (laughs) Amen. And then when you got it, you're like, well, I didn't want that. It's kind of like the dog chasing the car. I'm like, what are you going to do when you catch it? Hello? I mean, one day I wanted to stop just to see what the dog would do. You satisfied? (laughs) Didn't work. Verse 10, listen to the warning. So Samuel passed on the Lord's warning to them, to the, to the people who were asking for a king. This is how a king will reign over you, Samuel said. The king will draft your sons and assign them to his chariots and his charioteers, making them run before his chariots. Some will be generals and captains in his army, and some will be forced to plow in his fields and harvest his crops, and some will make his weapons and chariot equipment. The king will take your daughters from you and force them to cook and bake and make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and your grape harvest and distribute it among his officers and attendants. He will take your male and female slaves and demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks and you will be his slaves. What, when, when, that, when that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding, but then the Lord will not help you. Okay, that's the warning. That's the warning. I hope I can warn you today to not run ahead of God. I hope I can warn you today to be content with what God's already given you and actually be grateful for what you have. And so that he'll 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 eventually because of your gratefulness and your contentment, he'll he'll give you some more. You follow me? Not that you go out and in your own strength and in your own power and with your own energy, waste your life trying to gain more. You follow me? You see what I'm saying this morning? There's a timing that God has for everything. There's a timing. And and as believers, we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we're now connected to his timing. We now have a direct line to him. And he can give us his timing if we'll listen. If we'll listen. All this is going to get to, that was all take, 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 take. He's going to take, he's going to take, he's going to take. You know what the world's going to do to you? It's going to take, and it's going to take, and it's going to take from you. It's going to take all your precious treasures, time, energy, strength, passion, talent, giftings, 
That's your most precious treasures that God gives you on this planet. We need to hang on to them and be very careful what we do with our time, our treasure, our talents, our abilities, our passion, our energy. Come on, somebody. We need to send it ahead and store it up there. How do we do that? By doing what God wants us to do. Not what we want to do. What God wants us to do. How do we find out what God wants us to do? Ask him. (laughs) And submit yourself to him. And don't move until he says to move. That's a strange thought. You mean don't move? Yeah, don't move. God says they, they're going to they're gonna realize what kind of king they got. Yeah, I ain't going to help them. <laughs> but the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Listen to what they say. Even so, we still want a king. Willing to substitute everything that God has given them to get what they want. I don't care about the warning, man. They, they weren't even listening. Yeah, blah, 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 Samuel, shut up. I, I don't care. Just, just give me what I want. You see, you see, we can find ourselves in there. I, I've been that way before, too. And you see, they said we want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. You know what they were saying is that, is that I, 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 we don't like the way you're leading. We don't like the way God's leading us. And we, we, we want him to... We, we, want, we want our own judge and we want our own king. We don't like the way you and God got this thing going. You, come on, can we just be real this morning? Sometimes we don't like what God has to say. Sometimes we don't want to hear what he has to say. You know, you come into a church service like this and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. You know, I've been telling you to lay this thing down. I've been telling you to walk away from this and do this. And you go, I don't want to hear that. I don't care what you say. Right? And it's crazy. And I mean, and then, and then it takes off from here and it, and it goes and it, it goes bad. And, and, and what's really crazy about all this is that Saul, he, Saul, you know, God says, I ain't going to help you, but, but watch what God does. I don't just want you to know how, lo- how much God loves you. That despite their rejection, God still intervened because God still has his plan and his ways are still higher than our ways. And his thoughts are still higher than their thoughts. God, God comes in and says, okay, give them what they want. They want a king? Let's give them a king. God picked out the best man in the land for them. The best man in the land is not necessarily God's man. Saul was head, head and tails above everybody else, head and shoulders, I'm sorry, above everybody else. He was good looking. He was rich. He was a leader. He was everything you would want in a king. And God said, take him. And God poured out his anointing on him. Now, remember, they're doing what they want to do. Come on, you know, you kids are, I want mine. And you let them have their thing. And then you kind of sit there and watch over them, right? You're kind of like, okay, all right. God's a good father. And it goes bad, right? It goes like really bad. Until, until it gets to a point where God says, he actually quotes these words. He says, I am sorry that I made Saul king. When I read that, I go, what? God? God said he was sorry that he did something? What? 
You know what I find interesting, though? Is that God did have a king for him. And God did have a plan. And God was fully aware that Samuel was getting old. And God already had a replacement for Samuel. You see, the thing about God that we don't like is that he works behind the scenes and we can't see what he's doing. And when we can't see what he's doing, we get nervous and we get antsy and we want to do our own thing. The whole time they're griping and complaining and wanting this king. God's over here building up a lineage of people with all the things that he likes in them because he's going to make this king for them a good king. One that actually has the reputation for being a man after God's own heart later on. God prepares all that. So Saul was king for 40 years and it all went bad. When David met Saul, David was only 16 years old. So 16 minus 40 is 34. So 34 years into into Saul's reign, God birthed the king of Israel, who was a good king. But because the people wanted what they wanted, he said, okay, you want to run ahead of me? You're going to get yourself a king. And he's going to rape your land. And he's going to rape your people. And he's going to take everything from you. And it's not going to be good. Instead of waiting for David, they chose Saul. So then it comes up and we get to the the moment where, where David becomes known and he gets popular. And that's when he fights Goliath and By the way, just a little side note, when Goliath is is standing out and he would come out every day and he would torment the army of Israel. And he would just he would curse them by his gods. And he said something that, that caught my attention the other day. He said, he said, I am a Philistine and you ain't nothing but some servants of Saul. And when I read that, I went, this is the children of Israel. These are God's chosen people. The enemy just spoke some truth. They're servants of Saul, not servants of God. You see, they turned their back on God and they turned their hearts towards Saul. And the enemy recognized it and he stood in front of them and said, y'all a bunch of suckers. It's like he knew. Y'all a bunch of suckers. Y'all servants of Saul. That was one of the greatest insults that he threw at them. That they were servants of Saul and no longer servants of God. It's making sense? Crazy stuff, right? Happens all the time. All day long. (laughs) So they want what they want. What led to the rebellion? Discontentment and a lack of trust. A lack of trust. They, they didn't trust that God was going to take care of the problem. But, but Samuel's getting old and, and his sons, I don't like them. And, and give us something now that they were not trusting that God had everything under control. You see, my kids aggravate me sometimes because they ask all these questions. And it's just, ah! And so if they, if they find out that we're going somewhere, they want to know what time we're leaving, what car we're going in, who's going to be there, how long we're going to stay, do they have candy and sweets, and, 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 and this and that. I'm going, I'm not giving you all that information. And you say, well, why, Pastor? Why don't you tell them? Because they don't need to know. You know why? Because sometimes God tells me to go somewhere 
And he don't give me all the instructions in the middle of it. So I'm not going to ruin them and say, oh, baby, we're going to leave at 12 o'clock. You're going to ride in the second seat of the car and you need to wear these shoes. And, and they're going to have uh, Mississippi mud pie and, and, and T-Boy's going to be there. And then we're going to leave at four. I'm not doing that. That's too much time and energy. Sit, watch, and wait. Can I get a witness? Wait for what? Wait to see what's going to happen. Let a surprise come up into your life. Trust me. Trust me. Daddy's going. They got sweets. Yeah, goodness. Come on, Virginia. Right? No, not, no. <laughs> she had a baby. She said, well, play? What? <laughs> so let me, let me hurry up here. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Some of you are weary and you're fainting because you're running ahead of God and you're not doing what he wants you to do. And you're doing your own thing. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I've been down that road before. You're weary and you're tired and you're worn out because you're running ahead of God and you're not doing what he wants you to do. But the Bible says that those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. So what's the hope for today? That if you will just change your mind and you'll trust in him, you're going to find new strength. Come on, somebody. That's good news right there. So why is it important to follow God's timing? Let's look at this chapter. Psalms chapter 37, verse 7 says, be still in the presence of the Lord. You see, that's a hard thing for us to be still. In the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper and fret about their wicked schemes. In other words, stop looking at the world and and they look successful and they look like they got it all together. Stop worrying about that. Wait on me. Go with me to Acts chapter 1 verse 4. I want to show you something about why it's important to know God and follow God's timing. Talking about the disciples. It says this, that once when they were eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were getting ready to get the greatest gift ever given to man outside of salvation. They were getting ready to receive the powerful, mighty, all consuming Holy Spirit. And Jesus gave them instructions to go to Jerusalem and wait. He didn't say how many days. He didn't say how many weeks, how many months. He said, just go and wait because God's going to send you this gift. And God's speaking that to some of you today. He's telling you to wait. Just wait on me. You will see a miracle if you wait. You will see something supernatural if you wait. If you don't wait, you're going to see what you keep seeing. Amen. And they wait. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. I'm not going to read it all, but basically what happens is they're waiting in the upper room. And they're praying. And they're just waiting on God. They're just waiting on God. And they're praying. You got to get this. They're waiting on God. And they're praying. They're waiting on How do you keep waiting on God? By praying. How do you keep waiting on God? By praying. When you get anxious, you need to pray. When you get, when you get ambitious and you want to go do your own thing, you need to pray. You need to pray. You need to pray. Your praying helps your waiting. Come on, somebody. 
You need to pray. They're up there praying for I don't know how many days. And then the Holy Spirit comes in like a rushing mighty wind. And they start speaking in tongues, the Bible says. It's just this outrageous thing just happens. And they start speaking in other languages, the Bible says. Now... Understand God's timing. God wants to, he wants to take, he wants to capitalize on every opportunity. God doesn't waste a moment. At the same time that the, whole, that the disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, there's a festival going on. And so all these people are gathering for the festival. God waited until the most people were at the festival at that time before he released his Holy Spirit. Because when he released the Holy Spirit, the disciples started praying in tongues, other languages, and all these different nations were there at the festival doing their chankity-chank and all this stuff. And they hear something. They hear something in their own language. They they hear people kind of rowdy lifting up God's most holy name in their own language. And they're going, whoa. Whoa, whoa, kill the, kill the Zodico music. Time out. Time out. Tell him to shut up. We, what? And they're hearing in their own language all these different tribes. And then they realize who's doing this and they go, you're speaking my language? Y'all don't speak my language. What's going on? And then some people say, oh, man, they're drunk. <laughs> yeah, you know how that is around here. Especially when you're in my mood. They're like, oh, pfft. they just started early. <laughs> it was 9 o'clock in the morning. Peter gets up. He goes, hey, it's 9. We ain't started yet. But anyway, so they, they hear all that going on. And they go, man, they must be drunk. Listen to me. Peter stands up in that moment. God set the whole thing up, y'all. This is the start, the first day of the church. This first day of church, y'all, first day of the first church, and God set it up, and Peter stands up, and he says, hey, we ain't drunk, (laughs) we just filled with the Holy Ghost, and let me tell you about where the Holy Ghost comes in, he just kind of rolls it all out, and the Holy Spirit just gives him what to say, and Peter preaches the perfect message for the perfect time, and the Bible says that 3,000 men gave their life to Jesus that day. Now, they only counted men in those days. It could have been 5,000. It could have been 9,000. But 3,000 is good enough. 3,000 people get saved and added to the church on the first day of church. Come on, somebody. Tell me God don't know what he's doing. But boy, if they wouldn't have waited, right? You know how Peter is. He's anxious. What if he went back to fishing again? That's why they were praying. They all might have been praying for Peter. I have to ask him when we get there. It just happens again and again and again in the New Testament. There was one time that Paul, who who was after he he was once chasing the church, he has a moment with Jesus. Paul is trying to go preach the gospel now into a certain land, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him. So he said, okay, well, I'm going to go over here. And he tried to go over here, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him. He said, okay, I, I can't go that way, and I can't go that way. Maybe I need to go here. And that night while he's sleeping, he gets a vision, and it's the Macedonian call. Just, he sees a man from Macedonia and said, hey, please come here. You see, God will tell you where you need to go and when you need to go if you just listen. Right? 
and stop running ahead of him or behind him. You never know what's on the other side of your waiting on God's timing until you actually wait on it. You see, some of you have never experienced the miraculous power of God because you never stayed long enough. You never, you, you, you've never experienced God's delivering hand because you've, you've too many times tried to deliver yourself and got yourself in more trouble. And when you're going through financial hard times, listen to me, I'm just going to let you know, God's never early on a bill. When your bills are late, he's going to wait till the last second. I'm like, dang, man, can't you hurry up? I mean, like, you God, bro, just drop it in the bank, something. I mean, come on. (laughs) I might need a little patience. Right? But I'll never know that he has the power to deliver if I don't wait long enough and let him deliver me. You see what I'm saying? We got to wait on God's timing. It's important. 